0: subway. All right, take a look around. Here we go. If you're online too, jump in here. Come on, don't just be a casual observer. Say, I have. I've been in a New York subway. Let us know. How about an airplane that makes stops and then continues on to a destination? Anybody? That's more than the New York subway. All right. How about a large airport shuttle such as maybe Atlanta where you have to jump on a shuttle that takes you from gate to gate or terminal to terminal? Okay. How many of you have ever ridden the monorail at Disney World? (laughs) Yes, there's extra passion for the happiest place on earth. (sighs) How many of you have ridden a San Francisco trolley? That's the least. I think more have ridden the New York subway than the San Francisco trolley. How many of you have ridden San Francisco's BART rail system, light rail system? That's that's definitely the least. Okay. How about Chicago's L train system? I think think San Francisco's BART still is in last place, but how about our very own Kansas City streetcar? I'm shocked. There's a lot of people in here who have never ridden the streetcar. Wow. Okay. Well, at each of these experiences, you'll hear people say things like, if this is your stop or we're approaching terminal B, if this is your stop or ahead is the stop for magic kingdom. If this is your stop, go waste your money and enjoy your day. Just kidding. Disney folks. I'm I'm teasing. For those of you with continuing service to San Diego, you'll remain seated, but those for who Denver is your stop, you will get out here. Like, these are, these are things that are said in the speakers. Sometimes, like a New York City subway, it'll just sound like this. <laughs> and you just got to figure out what you're doing. But today, for a little while, I want to speak on this topic. Is this... Your stop. Is this your stop. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful to be in your presence, to acknowledge your working in our lives. God, I just pray. Come on, church, let's pray together. Jesus, we want you to just be here doing everything you want to do. We want you to accomplish everything you long to accomplish. We're not looking to just plug a time clock, be here for a little while, and walk away feeling good about ourselves. We want something more. We want a supernatural experience where you speak to us, challenge us, change us, encourage us, Lord. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, let me be a vessel today that is used in a mighty way for your glory, not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, these are modern examples, modern places that take you on a journey. But with each journey, there are multiple stops along the way. Chances are that for you to get off uh, on that method of transportation, you can, you can end your journey at any point for the most part. Now, there's some people that are crazy, try to open the hatch up in the air and stuff. Not a good idea. Don't do that. But you can stop at any point. When you ride a city bus, you can push a button and the driver will stop at his or her next scheduled stop. But sometimes you don't know what you're doing. When I asked my future father and mother-in-law if I could marry their daughter, um, after my my future father-in-law, his excitement wore down. He was really pumped to have me in the family. Um, I talked through the details. and uh, And so I was going to take my girlfriend who I wanted to be my fiance to New York City. I had been there, but I've been there with groups. And so I had never like led the charge, so to speak. And so I uh, was, I had, she had always wanted to see a play on Broadway. I had purchased tickets to the Lion King on Broadway. And I said, I said, her birthday falls two days after Christmas. So I said, here's what you get. You get Christmas, you're getting two airline tickets to New York City and for your birthday, you're getting two tickets to Lion King on Broadway, and you can take whoever you would like to take. And she, like, looked at me, it was like, and then looked at her dad, because she was like, well, can I take you? Because we're not married yet. Like, how's this working? And so uh, her dad had put his blessing upon that, because I had a friend in New York, and so I got my wife, my future wife, a hotel. And then I stayed with my friend at his apartment in New York City. And so, but what I did was I had us plan to go down and watch the ball drop in New York City. And I was going to ask her to marry me. Great, great time. I'll tell you the details later. My wife says my, my stories are too long. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the details as you would like to know them. But it started with me going to pick her up from her hotel and we were going to take the, the the subway. Well, we were too far out, so the subway doesn't go to this point. So we had to jump on a bus, and then the bus was going to take us to a place. We had to get off and then go to the subway, and that was going to take us to a place. The problem is, is I didn't really know the ins and outs of the system yet. And so I'm dressed up. She doesn't know I'm going to ask her to marry me. I got a backpack, and in my backpack is this expensive ring that I went in debt to buy to try and ask her to marry me and I'm by myself we're dressed up with I got a suit and tie and we're going to this play and uh, and so we accidentally got off on the wrong stop and and I pushed the button and we got off the bus and across the street as soon as we step off the bus there is a group of men beating a guy his shirt is pulled up over his head, and they're just, boom. And my wife, you know, I was probably somewhat sheltered. She may be even more than me, probably. And so she's just kind of looking. I was like, just act like you've been here before. <laughs> I was like, just follow me. She's like, where are we going? I was like, I have no clue, but not here. <laughs> and so they're just, boom, boom. And so we go, and, and I just stop at the bus stop, and she's just like, Is this where we're going? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, do you know this is the right place? And I said, no, we're just getting on this bus and going out of this place. (laughs) And in my brain, the only thing I'm thinking about is two things I'm thinking about. Number one, there's a ring in my bag. And number two, my father-in-law is going to kill me if I survive this. (laughs) And so, uh, so, yeah, so we got on the bus, and I just got, and I asked the bus driver, I said, so if I was hypothetically trying to get to Manhattan... Um, what would I need to be doing he's like oh you gotta take this bus and then jump on this bus and then you jump onto this subway and I was like great just give me the next step I'm gonna do that one and then when we get to that step I'll ask the next person and so we managed to get there God worked it out friend of mine is a New York police officer we watched the ball drop from the front row he moved the gates for us it was incredible experience and uh, I'm married and we're both alive thank the Lord (laughs) But you see, there's stops along the way of, of, the, of your journey and there's kind of have have a little bit of a grasp of what's going on. And, you know, when you ride the KC streetcar downtown, you know, there's 16 stops along a two mile track and you can determine your own stop. You can get on the streetcar, get off the streetcar, then get back on the streetcar again. You can go to River Market to Union Station, and I've done it several times. The length of your journey is really going to be predicated on where you decide to go with that mode of transportation. And whether you realize it or not, when you started walking with God, you started a journey. And so sometimes it's an overused term, your journey with Christ, journey with God. But it's the truth. You're on a journey. And just like all those different places and methods of transportation, everyone's journey looks a little bit different. For some of you, you have never been to those places that I listed. Would you, maybe there was somebody here that you say, you know what, you listed everything. You listed the bar, the trolley, the streetcar, airplane. I have never done any of those things. And you might be here going, you know what? For others, you may have been to those places, and you say they were amazing. Others, you might say, I can't wait to go to those places. They're on my bucket list, but I haven't made it there yet. Like that, though, when we walk with God, you know, you might go, I'm getting older now. And some of you are going, I have no interest. Bart this and trolley this. I ain't adventuring out of my city. I'm going to stay here, and I don't need to go anywhere else. Anybody there going, amen? Got a few. But like our walk with God, some started their journey at a younger age. Some are older, and they're just now getting started in their walk with God. And do you know why a lot of people will never try some of these methods of transportation in other cities? It's because they are intimidating. It's not the case for everybody. But for some, they go, I'm not going to do that. People are going in and out of turnstiles and not talking and jumping. And You go to New York City and you say, hey, could you guys just take a picture for me? You, most of the time, they will not even acknowledge the fact that you just spoke. They're not exactly in the subway going to go, yeah, absolutely, let me explain where you need to head. You know, it's not going to happen. And so sometimes it can be intimidating. Everyone seems to know where they're going and what they're doing. And people are walking around, going in and out. So what do we do? Well, I'm just going to avoid it altogether. Not put myself in an awkward circumstance. Do you know that this can be the same for church and religion? If you were an adult when you started your journey with Christ... Don't ever forget how it felt when you first walked into a new place of worship for the very first time. If you've not done anything uncomfortable in a while, when you travel out of town, go try a church. Go visit a place. You really should. It keeps you in touch with how a new guest might feel when we are tempted to walk right past them and assume that they know where to check their kids in, where the bathrooms are, how to get involved in a small group, how to start serving in the ministry, or even how to go deeper in their spiritual walk with God. But today's message, it's not just about getting a guest to feel comfortable on their journey. And if you're a guest here, I pray to God that we have made you feel comfortable and that you feel like you can jump right in and worship God. You don't know all the answers to everything yet. Don't feel awkward about that. It'll come. And we want to help. But today's message is not just getting a guest to feel comfortable in their journey, but it's what's the current state of your journey. I've read a lot about personal journeys in Scripture, and the Bible is so effective. It's such a beautiful book because it's filled with people's personal stories, and that's how we learn. We learn from, wow, this person failed here, but they got back up, and this person made this choice, and and we get to read about this going, wow, I'm going to preach from this topic, this person's life. Why would I do that? Well, I don't care about that person. Yeah, because we can learn from what that person went through. And so people who responded with a call to God, people, in some cases, they didn't respond. Maybe they never responded, or maybe they did for a season, but then their journey ended all too soon. You see, Jesus tells a parable about a sower and four different types of ground, and later he explains the meaning of this parable to his followers. In Matthew 13, it says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. He had just said this to them. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So if there's four different types of ground, I think as we read this, we should be going, which one am I? Which one am I? Am I the one who, the evil one comes and I'm not understanding, and so I let the seed just get taken? The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Yes, awesome, absolutely. But since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They fell away. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted believing God's word. So are you someone who says, yeah, I jumped right in. Absolutely, this is awesome. But the minute something doesn't go the way we want, we, 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 we leave. He says, the seed fell among the thorns, he said, represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded by the worries of life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. It was received but all the cares of life got in the way. And then verse 23, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold as much as planted. Why? Because when God saves your soul, when God purchases your salvation and you respond to his plan, it is never just for your comfort. we're, We're always called to produce more harvest. So which type of ground are you? What type of ground will you be? I would argue that it depends less on where you are right now in your journey. I know sometimes we go, I don't really want to try church. I'm never going to be like those people. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. If it's your first time in this building, don't look around and think, well, that person's way more spiritual. No, they've just been on this journey a little bit longer. Do not believe that. So I would argue that it depends less on where you are right now when you look at your circumstance and more about how committed you are to the journey itself. Because for me, it's not about where someone is in their journey, it's about where they're facing. It's about the direction they're headed and so you see, Jesus, he calls 12 apostles to go on a journey with him. From what I read in Acts, I mean, it's, it's meant to be an eternal journey, a powerful journey. One where he even says to them, you're going to do greater things than what I've done. But for a man named Judas, John 13, 1, it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And he loved them to the very end. And it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Judas had walked with Jesus. Judas had talked with Jesus. He had relationship with him. He saw and experienced signs, wonders, and miracles. He tasted of Jesus' provision. He was invited to continue on. He could have been much, much more, but for Judas, this was his stop. This is where he got off the journey, and he was willing to let his journey with Jesus and with the church end right here. At some point, if your journey is going to end, you're going to have to make a conscientious decision to walk away from both Jesus Christ and the church to which he has called you to be a part of. And in 14 years, I wish I could say this has never happened. But too many times, I have watched someone have to make a decision and go, I choose against Jesus and against the church. My stop is here. Unfortunately, the story of Judas, it becomes indicative of the things the way things usually work, he, he betrayed Jesus, and then he also betrayed his brothers and sisters. This was his stop. Another man named Demas was also on a journey. Scripture clearly identifies him as a co-laborer with the Apostle Paul. Could you imagine, like yourself, you insert your name there. Like, yeah, Gary, co-laborer of the Apostle Paul. <gasps> that would have been amazing to go down in history as, yeah, the Apostle Paul and his co-laborer. That's what Demas was known as. Philemon 23 and says, Ap- Apophros, uh, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greeting. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. He called Demas his co-worker right there. He's mentioned in the same breath as Luke in Colossians 4.14. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greeting and so does Demas. Luke is the one that's penning, writing the book of Acts, the book of Luke. And Demas is just thrown in there too, like, yeah, co-labors. Hey, there's Demas. He's walking with me. What do you think Demas could have done on this journey? A co-labor of Paul, traveling with Luke, seeing miraculous things. But then Paul writes a second letter to Timothy during his second imprisonment in Rome. And he says this, he says in 2 Timothy 4, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's departed to Thessalonica. A man that was a fellow laborer. That's why Paul knew God help me, lest I preach to everybody and I myself be a castaway. There is no such thing, I don't care what anyone in the religious world says, there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. There's no such thing. You can wake up today and say, forget all of this. I don't care if you've been a preacher, a minister, a singer, a Sunday school teacher, how long you've been serving God. At some point, you can make a decision and say, enough's enough. I'm out of here. the, The world is looking too valuable to me. It's too tempting. I'm willing to set all of this aside and go pursue the world. Paul's sitting in prison, and the Greek word he used here isn't just that he left. It was that he absolutely, completely abandoned him. That's the Greek word that Paul uses there. He says, Demas was walking with him. I'm sitting in prison for the second time and my co-laborer has absolutely abandoned me. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the things of the world were too tempting, were too exhilarating, were too too appealing that he said, you know what? I'm ready to trade off being a co-laborer, working for God. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the eternity. I'm willing to trade it all aside because why? Because the world looks too, good right now. Demas fell in love, back in love with the world. Like Judas, he had to choose between God and church, sin and world. And he abandoned him. Why? Because for Demas this was his stop. He had been on a journey. He had seen things. He's a co-laborer. But he says, no, this is where I get off. I'm, I'm leaving now here. This is my stop. One time when Jesus had gotten done speaking a message wasn't so popular with people in that day he looks at his followers in John 6 he says at this point many of his disciples turned away and deserted him and then Jesus turned to the 12 and he said are you going to leave too Jesus himself lost people wasn't because he didn't preach a good message that day it was because there was people that were following him, watching the miracles, close to him, hearing his voice. It's not unbelievers. These are people that are following him. That said, you know what? That message, eh, not a huge fan. This is my stop. This is where I get off. This is my stop right here. And Jesus looks at the 12 and goes, are y'all, if he was in Missouri... He says, are you all going to leave too? I ask the same question to people watching online and here today. Is this your stop? Are you going to leave too? There's a lot of people who have left. Where's your stop? He looks at him and says, is this your stop or are you coming with me? Are we continuing on in this journey? It's not a new thing. In the Old Testament, God gave the tribes of Israel a promised land. And after wandering and waiting and fighting for it, after hundreds of years of waiting for the promise, 12 tribes, it's time to go into the land of promise. And one and a half of the tribes go, you know what? We're going to stop on this side of the Jordan. This is, we've gone far enough. We're close enough. This is good enough. And they stopped short of the promise. Church, I don't want to be close to the promise. I don't want to be close to the Judas was close to the promise. Demas was close to the promise. One and a half of the twelve tribes of Israel were so close to the promise. But Jesus tells us his long-term plan in Philippians 1. He says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you're trying to figure out how long does this journey last? If you have kids, how many times are we there yet? Are we there yet? How long? How long till we're there? How much longer? How much longer till we're there? When are we going to be there? So if you're an adult and you're on this journey and you're asking those questions, how long? How long? How long till we're there? Are we there yet? How long is the journey Christ tells us? Let me tell you, I started a journey with you. He tells us in the book of Philippians, I started a journey with you. We are walking together. We're going on this journey and where this journey ends Is when I come back for my people. That is the culmination of of the whole journey leads to eternity. You see, when I started this journey, I repented at an altar. I repented of my sins. I took on the name of Jesus in the waters of baptism. I was baptized by immersion. I entered covenant relationship. My sins were washed away. He put his spirit inside of me with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I have chosen to live a holy and consecrated and separated life. Not perfect, but desiring, saying I am willing to... Detach from the things of the world and pursue the things of God. Why? Because my journey is taking me to eternity with my Lord. And I refuse to just be close. I refuse to just say, I'm going to settle right here. I'm fine. I've heard Jesus' voice. I've worked with him. I've helped serve. I've worked in ministry that was good enough for Judas, that was good enough for Demas, that was good enough for the tribes of Israel, one and a half tribes. But for me, I, I don't want that to be good enough. I don't want to just say, oh yes, I've pastored. I've heard from God. I've seen miracles. I've walked with God a lot. Matter of fact, we're very blessed. And this is my stop. I'll go ahead and just get off right here. How many people have stopped through the ages, decided to settle for less than a promise, be content with just being close when God has more? I'm looking at people today, and here it is. Here's the message. God has more for you, but are you willing to take the journey, or is this your stop? Have you gotten to know God enough that you say, this is good. This is, I've had a really good experience. We felt Jesus today. God's presence is here. I'm filled with his spirit. God's done great things. You know what? Driver, you can let me off here. This is a good stop. Chances are at some point whether that was today or whether that was in years past, you walked into a church. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's some other time. You walked into a church and you were hungry for God. There was something in you that said, I don't want to just know about Him. I, I want to know Him. I want to I want to hear His voice. I want to go deeper than where I am now. There's something in you at some point that said, I, I, I just desperately want to know Him. Maybe He revealed Himself to you through a song or or a message, or a book you read. Maybe when you were baptized in water and His Spirit. For some of you, you might even t- have taken that and gone to the next step. And you've started to serve in ministry. Maybe you've loved children, taught youth, preached to adults, went into homes and taught Bible studies. We're, we're, we're all on this journey, but my question is, where is your stop? If you're a guest here today, Is this where your journey stops? Just a quick visit caused you to drop in. Is this where it ends? Have you been coming for a while? Maybe you feel good. You've been here. There really isn't much spiritual hunger or desire, but you feel good being in the sanctuary, being in the church. And Is is this your stop? Maybe you've been baptized in Jesus' name. You're repentant of your sins. You're filled with this spirit. And now your conscience feels good because when we preach messages like this, you're like, yeah, I'm baptized in the name. I'm spirit-filled. Is this your pinnacle? Is that your stop? Maybe while some things have gone back to other things. Other people have gone back to other things, and you've known people who have walked away from God. And you've pressed on. You're still on the journey. You've come to church each week. You give of your finances. You serve faithfully in ministry. To many people, you're the leader. You're a leader in the church. You are a church leader. Is this your stop? Have you gotten content being a church leader? Maybe you just got back from a life-changing, powerful North American youth coming. God spoke to you there. He touched your life. He clarified your call. Maybe you were filled with the Spirit, prayed with others. It was exhilarating. Now what? Is this your stop? Is that good enough? Does it become just a memory? Or is it part of your entire journey? Is it, man, I remember all... I don't ever want to live in yesterday's blessings. I'll never forget that time I went up and prayed. Oh, I remember last year we were at that convention. We prayed. It was so powerful. I remember, oh, one time I prayed with somebody who was several months ago. God, he used me and I prayed with somebody else. It was awesome. But what if there is more? What if... This Sunday afternoon service where you sang an awesome song and jumped around and felt God and heard a message and you say, Well, that was good. Good service today. That was interesting. Look forward to next week. What if there's more? What if God is going, is this is this all you want to know about me? Is this is this the extent of the touch that you desire today? Is this I was ready to give more. I was ready to pour out more. I was ready to do more. But is this is this your stop? Is this all? Is this all you wanted? I know, I maybe we're a little tired, a little fatigued, had a lot going on. And God's going, "I was ready, but but you weren't." Is this your stop? If there's more, more if there's more for the first time guest, what if you walked in thinking, I was just checking out this church and God has divinely appointed you to be sitting in this seat watching this live stream because he's reaching for your soul right now. Not that you're even a bad person, but he's going, I want to know you. I want to draw you into a deeper place of commitment. I want to get to know you. I want a deeper relationship with you. You walked in thinking, I was just checking out a church and here in your soul, God's reaching to you. More for the regular ch- church or more for the spirit-filled believer that sometimes we do this and we've done it for so long that we're so professional and we've got things down so much and God's going, is this it? Is this all you wanted from me today? Is this all you wanted? I wanted to do supernatural things. I wanted to do powerful things. I wanted to change lives. I wanted to, I wanted to call you to a deeper, a higher level, but this is it. Is this your stop? more for the church leader, more for the department head. I don't want our department heads just say, oh, yeah, I've reached the pinnacle. No, God's looking at the department heads. God's looking at the pastoral team. God's looking at me, and he's saying, I- I'm ready for more. I'm ready to do more, to accomplish more. I'm ready to call you into deeper and greater things. Have we served God so long that we say, no, I've stopped here. I- I've gone on this journey, and it's been an amazing journey. I got to hear his voice and see his face. I got to see signs and wonders and miracles. I grew up in church. And God's going, okay, well, is this it for you then? Is this where you stop? Hopefully there's no person here who has already arrived. Hopefully that there's something in you that you're saying, I'm not content with this. I'm looking at a church where it's a mix. There's first time guests here today, people who have been raised in church. And every one of us. There should be every one of us should have something going but I want more of God. I'm not hung I'm not content with where I'm at. I'm not content with where I am. I want I want to go deeper. I want more. God, I want to hear your voice. I want greater clarity. I look, and I look at distinguished elders. I looked at people who know how to touch God. I look at great men and women of God. I look at people like Sister Waller. I know Sister Waller would never stand up and say, oh, yeah, I got a prayer life. I'm, 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 I'm fine. I've reached where I want to be. There's something in her that's going, I need to know Jesus. I need to know him. I've got to hear his voice. I've got to see his face. I've got to experience things I've never experienced before. I want more of him. I'm not content with what God did in 1972 or 78 or 86 or 93 or 2020 I want something today I want God, I want, I want a fresh fire a fresh anointing a fresh touch You see, because God, he didn't call us into a position. He called us into a relationship. He didn't call us just into an experience. He called us into a lifestyle. Maybe that's why he says things over and over in the word like, he that doeth, he that continueth, faint not, don't cease, press on, never waver, stand strong, seek the Lord, pursue him. He doesn't just say, come to church, attend a church, serve in one ministry. He's saying, seek me, pursue me, pray on. Don't stop. I'm here. Do continue. I want to be that person. I want to be that pastor. I want to pastor a group of people where we're all going. I love what God did. I love what he's done, but I don't want to live on yesterday's blessing. I want something more today. I want to come to an altar, raise my hands, and go, God, I don't care if everyone around me is sitting there staring straight ahead. I don't care if they're sitting worship, ignoring the move of God. That's not gonna be me. I'm gonna be one that says, My God, I need more. I need more. I want more, Jesus. But I would argue this: most people stop. I wish that wasn't the case. I'm not trying to be negative, but just look around in society. Most people stop. I didn't say backside. I said stop. At some point, many reach the pinnacle of what they deem is a good and solid relationship with God. Dare I say that a large majority of us here today, we could say, I have a pretty solid relationship with God. I'm pretty content with where I am. Not, I don't need to give. I don't need to serve in ministry. I do give. I do serve ministry. But I don't need to do more. I don't, it's, but it's not just about when I say do more, that doesn't mean you can earn something from God. But I'm talking about pursuit I'm talking about hunger. I'm talking about desire. And that's something that no matter how much I pray and fast and I want God's anointing upon me, I pray to God that I never get up in this pulpit and I'm not anointed. And I just share you thoughts of my intelligence that's really limited. It's not going to get you many places. But when I get up here and I go, God, if you as a supernatural deity will speak through this vessel, if you will speak through me, but even if he chooses to do that, I cannot instill hunger in you. I cannot put a desire in your soul. God himself won't do that. He puts something in you that the only thing that can fill it is him, but there's something in you that has to say I am not content with the things of this world. I want more. I am hungry for God. I want to hear his voice. I want to see his face. The world is always going to be knocking. It's always going to be tempting. It's always going to be calling. Whatever it is, different people have different vices, different temptations, but God, he says, behold, I I stand at the door and knock. But then Paul says, be careful because sin stands at the door and knocks. So you're always going to have two people knocking at your door, but you decide which one you open the door to. You're the only person that can say, I'm hungry today for more. Or you can say, you know what? This is my stop. It's been interesting. That was a good sermon. I really enjoyed being in church. My conscience will let me go to sleep tonight because I didn't miss service on Sunday. And if that's your stop, then that so be it. But God's looking for somebody that's going, what if, is this all you want from me? He's here. God does not have limited resources. It's not like He said, "Oh, that's all I have." to go. We see that in every story in the Bible. The lady that didn't have oil in her house, He says, "Just keep pouring. Just keep pouring. Watch what I can do. My oil is not limited. It's unlimited." So if we're sitting here today, or we're watching online, we're serving a God that is right now looking at us, going, "What do you want from me? What's your hunger? What's your desire? I'm ready. I'm ready. What do you want me to do? I'm ready. I want to pour my my, my blessing upon you." I want to pour my spirit upon you. He's ready, but that's what I say. How much of God do you really want? How much of yourself are you willing to give? We have a God today that's going, is this your stop, or are you continuing on this journey with me? Are we going deeper, or are we stopping right here? Most... At some point, many reach the pinnacle, and they get off there, and, they, and, the, and the journey stops. Most don't turn back or fall away, at least not intentionally. Most don't say, well, all right, I'm getting off here, and I'm backsliding. I'm going to just stop right here, and I'm just turning and going with the world. Guarantee you, Demas did not just all of a sudden go from co-labor with Paul to a drug addict overnight. Demas did not do that. There was something in the, that. Something in the heart changed that said, "You know, this is fine. This is okay. This is all I need. This is going to be all right." But I once heard it said that backsliding begins when you stop moving forward. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm going to backslide today. I'm going to walk away from it all. I'm going to just leave Jesus. I'm going to leave the church. That is a slow fade that someone in their heart, there stopped being a hunger. There stopped being a desire. There stopped being a pursuit. There stopped being something in me that said, I know you blessed me yesterday, but I got to hear your voice again today. That's why in the Old Testament, they couldn't store up manna. It would spoil. They had to go out every day and say, give me this day our daily bread. Give me the manna for today, God. I gotta hear Your voice today. I gotta feel Your spirit today. I don't want to live on what I felt at North American Youth Congress. I don't want to live at what I felt at a convention or a camp meeting or even last Sunday service or Wednesday's Wednesday's prayer meeting. There's some in me that says, God, I want more. I'm hungry. I want to see Your face. I want to go to new depths. Could it be that many do not backslide because of sin, but instead because we lost our wonder? in pursuit of why we started the journey in the first place. Why did you start looking for a church? Why did you come to an altar? Why did you go to a Bible study? Why did you start serving in ministry? Why did you walk into someone's house to teach a Bible study? It's because something in you said, God changed my life. I want him to change other people's lives. I'm hungry for him. Don't lose track of the things that matter most. It's not about titles. It's not about position. It's not about finances. It's not about the building where we worship. It's. About the fact that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords says, I love you. I want to know you. I want to reveal myself to you. And I want him to do that for me. And I want to take and introduce him to other people. (laughs) Isn't it intriguing that as Paul, and I'm almost done, as writing in his second letter to Timothy, in the very last verse, before he tells Timothy about Demas. The preceding verse to where he says, Demas has forsaken me. The last thing he says before that is this. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. The promise is not just for me, but it's for everyone, all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And he says, and by the way, Demas, my fellow laborer, he forsook me for the world. But before he says that, he says, What God has in store for us is not for a select few, it's for anybody who's got their vision on the end goal of the journey. For me, I don't want to just get consumed with the things of this world. I don't want to get consumed with self and title and position and finance and all these things. God, thank you for material blessings. Thank you for giving them to us, to our church. But that's not what matters. Lord, help me. Help me right now. That when I close my eyes and I go, God, I need you. I want to get closer to you. I don't want to just say, well, yeah, I've pastored for 14 years. I've got a master's degree. And I and I know the word pretty well. And, man, I've seen some really great things, some signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't ever want to get to the point where I say, you know what? I'll stop here. I'm going to hit the button. This is where I stop. I'm content to pastor a good church and to do some really neat things for the kingdom. I want to say, God, no, 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 no. Please, Thank you, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the signs, wonders, miracles. Thank you for the fact that, like in the Old Testament, we set up bricks that point to a memorial that we can always say, "Hey, that's a place we worship. That's a place God did things. This is a place where I remember praying with this person. Oh, I remember that. That was awesome. But I don't want to be content with yesterday, last Sunday's blessing, last youth convention, last youth congress. Youth, con- uh, no, no, Lord Jesus, I, I want something in me to be going. God, I need you today. God, I need, I need a fresh touch, a fresh fire. Lord Jesus, help me, God. The, the world's strong; it's knocking at the door, but I know you're knocking i need to open the door to you god i need you today i don't want to just be content just sitting here paying tithes serving in a ministry god i want something in me to go god i want more i want to know you i want to know you i want to eagerly look forward to your appearing as i close part of the fun of some of the places you go around as a tourist are to experience the way of life and the manner in which the locals live in that area you ride the streetcar jump on the trolley see the subway it's all fun maybe even a little scary for the first time or two but eventually the newness wears off the first few times my family and i rode the kansas city streetcars it was a cool novelty we hadn't we weren't even going anywhere just yeah step this is cool ride down there jump off here but now that i've ridden it a couple times i gotta be headed somewhere i need a destination I don't want to get off early. I want that streetcar to get me as close to my destination as possible. Hear me. If you don't keep the destination in mind, the journey becomes monotonous. And when the journey becomes monotonous, usually you will get off on a stop long before your intended Hear my voice right now because I promise you in this moment, this is the voice of the Lord. If you don't keep your eye on the journey, on the, on the end, the goal, you will find yourself getting off the journey sooner than you intended because you forgot why you started the journey in the first place. Is this your stop today? Jesus Christ is reaching to people online in this place. And if this is your stop, we're so thankful that you're here. I know you're going to make your way out the door shortly. We are thrilled that you worshiped with us from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. But for those who are continuing on in this journey, this altar is open place of response where you get up out of your seat and walk to a place that says God I want more of you I'm hungry for you Jesus I want to know you I want to be filled with your spirit I want to be led and guided with your spirit God I don't want to just be content with what happened in the past God I want more Jesus I don't want to stop moving forward backsliding begins when I stop moving forward. Lord, I want to remember the reason I started this journey. The reason I went to an altar. The reason I joined children's ministry praise team. The reason I started teaching Bible studies. The reason that I started coming and praying with people on an altar. God, it's not about me. It's about you. I want to be used by you. I want to hear your voice. I want to go. I want to go deeper. It's not just about what I'm doing. It's about who you and I are. It's about the depth of our relationship, God. I don't want this to be my stop. I don't want this to be the place where I say, "You know what? This has been good. I'm doing pretty well. I'm content with right here." I want something in me that goes, "I want more, God. I want more. I want to see things about you I've never seen." I want to experience things I've never experienced, God, take me deeper, Lord, take me deeper, Jesus. God, I want to go to new depths, Lord. I don't want to be content, Lord God, with what's happened in the past. I want more of you, Jesus. I love you, God. I want more of you, Jesus. Is this your stop?